welcome to the fourth episode of Unfiltered with Jared Maximum. Today's guest is Cherise Yanit Nadal. She is a transnational feminist, part of the organization Affirm and the digital memorial Kanungan. Cherise and I talk about the healthcare workers of Philippine ancestry who have fallen to COVID-19, its lack of media coverage, and its effects on the Filipino diaspora. We also discuss about the history of Filipino migrant workers, the culture surrounding OFWs, and the future of the Filipino diaspora. Once again, Cherise Yanit Nadal. Hi, Cherise. Hi, Jared. Um, it's really great to meet you from here at the UAE and you from California. I think I'm yes. okay. Yeah. California. <laughs> yes, okay. it's lovely to meet you. Um, from LA to the UAE. Yeah. Um, thank you. I'm going distance guesting now. I guess so. <laughs> Um, the reason why I invited you today is because um, of this very serious thing that is happening that isn't given much exposure. But um, before anything else, I'd like for you to introduce yourself to the listeners and also your cause and the organization. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Sharice. Um, Sharice Yanit Nadal. Um, uh I'm a writer, musician, editor <laughs> uh, from Los Angeles, California. I've published a couple of um, creative pieces, a book review here and there. Um, I've also worked as a teacher. Um, and I am part of uh, the transnational feminist organization Affirm, and within Affirm, I'm part of a collective that has put together Kanlungan, which is a digital memorial to uh, healthcare workers that have fallen to COVID. Right. Um, so how did Kanlungan start, um, you know, coming to be? Kanlungan started because um, there were a lot of, well, there are a lot of Pinais in the organization Affirm. So many of us were, uh, had family members who were affected by COVID, either were diagnosed with it or died because of it. And they happened to be healthcare workers, the majority of them. And so one of our members, Jolene Levid, started to, um, well, it occurred to her that like the media and news outlets weren't even naming the workers who were who were dying or like or making the connection that Filipino nurses, Filipino nurses and Filipino healthcare workers were dying at a disproportionate rate to uh, the rest of the population and so she <laughs> she bought a website domain and asked a bunch of us with our different expertise uh, if we wanted to help her build a digital memorial to those who, who had fallen and um, we said yes. And so that was how Kanlungan started and it grew. Right. Um, I think it's a very honorable and hum- humble cause. But before we go further, um, can you... Um, Okay, um, let me repeat. Um, <laughs> Affirm was a, Affirm is, um, what do you call that? An abbreviation. Yes, it is an acronym. Um, yeah. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Acronym. <laughs> there you go. Um, Affirm is an acronym. And what does it stand for? Uh, well, it has, it has recently uh, undergone a name change. So right now it means Association of Feminists Fighting Fascism imperialism, refutalization, and marginalization. Um, But initially, uh, it stood for Association of Filipinas Feminists Fighting Imperialism, Refutalization, and 
hospitalization. Um, and that's just to, uh, that, that was just to honor the fact that we grew from the Filipino Solidarity Organization, Women's Organization, uh, GABNET. Um, then we, we became an offshoot of that and then became our own thing. Um, and since we have like opened our membership up to transnational women and women of color, we changed the name to Association of Feminists Fighting Fascism, Imperialism, Refutalization, and Mar- Marginalization. Right. Um, that's, that's good to know. Um, because <laughs> before I actually had a hard time, you know, trying to find out what was the meaning of the firm. <laughs> And, like, and it is a mouthful, but yeah, yeah we're fighting will... all of these forms of oppression is mm-hmm. basically what it means. Yeah, and um, I mean, like, presently, how is it, how is it working out? Like, um, how is the organization doing? A firm or Kanlungan as a collective? Yeah, um, if we can try to incorporate both of them, I guess. Okay, uh, so Affirm is currently growing, uh, especially in California. Uh, Previously, uh, at the start of this year, we had uh, two chapters in California, um, but now our membership in California has grown by over 60 people, and so like there's, there's a few chapters that are uh, that are starting to grow in different locations outside of Los Angeles and the San Francisco Bay Area, um, and we are working on a number of campaigns. Uh, we have a youth campaign that is the School of Youth Activism, so teaching young women how to or politically organize and build direct actions in support of the, their causes. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have Survivors Not Criminals, uh, which, uh, which centers um, survivors of the sex trade, asks our local municipalities to decriminalize the survivors while also uh, holding uh, sex buyers and traffickers accountable. Um, right, yeah. So yeah, that's our, that's our big campaign. Um, and yeah, like we're, we're just concentrating on those two big campaigns and also uh, fighting fascism uh, <laughs> in North America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like um the one that you indicated in the name of the the org. Yes. Yes. And um Kanlungan? Yeah. How is it? Kanlung- how is it and now? Kanlungan is the the digital memorial yeah. to honor uh fallen healthcare workers. Uh like Filipino fallen healthcare worker workers. Uh so not just in North America, around the globe. Yeah. Um I was able to see a few people there who are from the UK or in Canada and some um, places as well that are yeah. barely mentioned that I didn't know even have like Filipino overseas workers. <laughs> to provide a little bit of background, um, how did this um, service economy, you know, like grew in the West, especially in the US? Like, how did this happen? in the first place? Well, <laughs> it happened as a result of, um, which like a lot of the, a lot of the things that carry over to um, the modern Philippine and Philippine diasporic experience derive from, right? Um, yeah. But in terms of the rise of why Filipinos make up such a large percentage of healthcare workers around the world. Uh, you have to go back to um, 
the Philippine-American War uh, that happened just after um, just after uh, Spain quote unquote stopped occupying. <laughs> The yeah, when they sold us over to the Americans. Yeah, the Treaty the, of Paris in eighteen The Treaty of Paris in eighteen ninety eight, where the United States and Spain decided to like negotiate terms of how occupied lands were to be divided up without actually giving a say to. Uh, the Filipinos, the Puerto Ricans, and the Cubans. <laughs> yeah, the other colonies they occupy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, in the Treaty of Paris in 1898, it's it's kind of like how like um, <laughs> like I wrote like I wrote a poem about like comparing it to how how um one abusive partner cheats on <laughs> cheats on cheats on this one the like the uh, their their partner and then like basically traffics them over to like <laughs> another abusive another person. abusive partner <laughs> actually not even partner trafficker so like okay. <laughs> it's like it was like a large scale <laughs> Like, I shouldn't laugh because this is very serious, but really, this was this was a geopolitical um, form of trafficking, right? So, like... Yeah, it's, um, it's a mess. <laughs> basically, there, there was an enslaved population that was fighting for their freedom, um, and then, like, the, the slave master kind of sold them over to a different Another slave master, right? master a more so, lenient one yeah so from spain to the united states obviously filipinos were not having it so they uh they started an insurgent that uh on paper the united states says lasted 10 years but really lasted until now <laughs> like there's like the there are still pockets of that insurgence happening today um but mm-hmm. most historians say that it stopped at uh, like it's done world war Two because officially the united states uh freed the philippines yeah. and then we now call that day filipino-american friendship day which yeah. is like the <laughs> a very ironic term for it cuz i mean guess who's still occupying the philippines um <laughs> so yeah so during during the the official like war the the those 10 years of insurgence that is known in the history books as the philippine american war um yeah. The United States Army needed nurses and care workers, so basically they trained the Filipinos to be their care workers mm-hmm. and nurses, um, and so they built nursing schools, like official nursing schools and uh, official like medic schools in the Philippines during that time so that Filipinos could treat the United, like the United States armed forces when they were wounded, um, trying to oppress them. (laughs) So it's, so that, that was the official start of this. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, fast forward to the 1960s, like the, like these, these, um, nursing schools were institutions. And so, when the United States needed more care workers in the 1960s and 1970s, they uh, they released immigration. They they relaxed immigration restrictions Policy. to let yeah. um, to let Filipino care workers come and work in the United States, and then that gained popularity in practice in like the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth nations, such as uh, Australia, Canada, and the UK itself. 
Wow. And so that's how <laughs> that happened. That was that's a really expensive history. <laughs> it's a really messed up history too. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so like if you if you um, take it back to the abusive um, relationship analogy, it's it's like the abuser in the home trains the abusee to mm-hmm. like patch up of. the injuries yeah. that they sustain by like <laughs> abusing the person right that's yeah, yeah like that's essentially how <laughs> how this how this pipeline of like workers came about and it's still sustained until today and now it's expanded to not only in the western countries and not only to the british commonwealth but you know like to even our own asian neighbors as well yes exactly i mean it's it's able to be replicated because it is a um it is a creation of imperialism right so like uh imperialism is a is a economic practice of replicating a like a consumerist relationship to the point of monopoly where um where the local is no longer enough it has to expand to other places right and so then this replicates all over the all over the world uh, to the detriment of um (laughs) people's quality of life yeah um uh Thank you for the brief history lesson. <laughs> <laughs> so now, like, at least we we are kind of aware of how this came to be and how it's still prevalent until today. But um, yeah, speaking Hopefully of today, it wasn't like, <laughs> oh no, it wasn't. It was like um, I learned that throughout high school, and it was just like, yep, I agree. I literally read it in the in books. <laughs> at least they're transparent, like some. Of, Filipino history books like as of present that yeah, as we're talking about like mainly for Kandungan um uh how's the situation like how's the death count the statistics like what is the you know overall image of what's happening to healthcare workers there uh in north well I shouldn't say north america in the united states the death toll is up to 200, over 200,000 now. Um, and then the infection rate is higher. And in an ironic twist, uh, <laughs> the president of the United States yeah. has contracted COVID. <laughs> <He has> COVID. <laughs> I'm going to try not to cackle because, like, that is my impulse. Because, like, it's, it's, like, it's kind of absurd, right? He, like, flew in the face of all the precautions and like the infection of the president of the United States is the grand plot twist of, of this the year, year 2020 <laughs> uh, because like he he basically called <laughs> coronavirus and COVID-19 a hoax and yeah. like made fun <laughs> of people for wearing masks and taking precautions and now he has this deadly disease (laughs) so i mean it's like just on a just on a um irony level it's hard not to laugh on a human level i don't think that anybody should be dying of this disease but i mean i have very little sympathy for um a man who was actually willfully acting like a super spreader. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, for me, <laughs> so, at the same time, it's kind of like very hard to, you know, perpetuate that idea that I'd wish someone to have COVID, <laughs> which I really yeah. don't, even though how evil you are. It's just, um, if, if a life can be spared... Yeah. spirit regardless of what happened what, what is that person actually is like they don't deserve to die like this kind of death I, and- I agree but I also feel like if if you if you only have enough energy to like be sending good energy for like p- 
people who are infected, I would, I would say like, it's okay to like spend that energy on the people who are close to you. Yeah. Uh, the further removed they are from you. I mean, they have other people, possibly the best healthcare in the world that they have access to. Maybe. <laughs> and I'm speaking specifically about the president. He's going to get very good care. Yeah. Uh, just Looks because, like <laughs> yeah, he's the leader of an imperialist power. He's going to get, um, the best care possible um, so yeah like while I don't wish anyone to die of this disease uh, I only have enough energy uh, to to spend on pre- maybe preventing uh, the people that I care about my community from from dying out you know yeah and and speaking of like that community, it's us. Like we're at the forefront of this, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, like statistic wise, can you um, summarize it? Like, you know, Filipino population. Um, okay, so twenty percent of nurses in California are Filipino. I think that I think that number is actually higher now. Yeah. Um, given given um, people who have just graduated from nursing school and started the Mm -hmm. workforce. Um, And so, like, the infection rates um, are are pretty high. So, like, so around, like, 30% of that 20%, uh, I'm not great at math. So (laughs) I will will let the people who are good at math, like... (laughs) parse parse those statistics um and then in new york new jersey 25 percent of the nursing population there are filipino and like uh i believe it's 34.4 percent um are are infected by covid at least uh the last time i checked the statistics uh, and like in terms of the last time I checked the statistics for Kanlungan, it was probably um, the beginning of September, the end of August. Right. Um, so, so yeah. So those those are the, our two major cities in terms of the United States population at large. I don't think anyone has done the numbers. We do have a um, a data map on. Uh, the kanlungan.net website Mm -hmm. Uh, but in terms of like fully aggregated numbers uh, I think we only have counts I don't think we have like percentages so in terms of what has been reported to kanlungan either uh, by users or from the from the news articles that we have aggregated in the United States, uh, it's 138 uh, deaths. But I think um, I think that it's been updated to like 205 now. We just haven't; it hasn't been reflected on our chart yet. Um, like around 60 in the United Kingdom. In the UAE, it's relatively low. Um, yeah, it's lower. Under ten. Uh, in the Philippines, it's around it's around fifty, like somewhere between fifty and seventy. Uh, in Canada, we have uh, under ten. Bahamas under ten. Kuwait under ten. Um, Saudi Arabia under ten, and Guam under ten. That's what we have in terms of charting, our charting, and what's been reported to us. Um, but yeah, like there are there are a large number that are unreported. So, um, and, and we're only like seven people, right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing what we can to like to track these statistics, but again, we're like seven people and this is something that we do outside of our paid work yeah yeah i mean you know like the dedication in and of itself it's like it's it's if not it's honorable it's it's just all i can say about this thing because 
you know, like, um, um, having a family of, like, overseas Filipino workers and, you know, having relatives who are working overseas, who have already settled overseas, who are part of, you know, the whole healthcare service system. It's, it was really, I don't know, like, surprising to find out how disproportionate our, um, our fellow Filipinos or Filipinos of Philippine ancestry is being affected by COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah, the numbers were staggering when we first started to track them. Um, and it was like, it's still, it's still hurtful now to know that, um, like, other news outlets aren't like closely following this because we are providing care to the rest of the world as like Filipino over overseas workers or uh, Filipinos in the diaspora. Um, but when we first started to quote um, Jolene Levitt, no one was saying their names. Um, like people, like people were dying and it was like, the rest of the world didn't care like and they didn't care that it was like uh, at a higher rate than than the general population yeah and i mean as a filipino as well like that really you know stings because even your own people <laughs> don't give you that recognition that you deserve i mean even as much as we can disagree with this service economy that the Philippines has, it's the lifeblood of what makes Philippines alive right then, right, right now, right then and now. So, you know, as much as I want to object to it, it's just that there is this importance that we're not putting into it as much. I mean, not for us in the diaspora, but, you know, native filipinos who are at the philippines like there's not enough recognition or appreciation of how much filipino migrant workers actually do for you know the lifeblood of philippines itself for the lifeblood of the philippines and for the rest of the world yeah because yeah. let's not forget yeah. that <laughs> let's not forget that the imperialist powers uh, set these people up to die, you know, like the, like they trained this workforce to more or less be, uh, be useful to, um, the imperialists and then to be discarded. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a altruistic act on their part. It was, it was because they needed the cheap care labor that they didn't have to think about afterward. Yeah. Yes. And um you know like moving forward I can't I'm still trying to process everything that you said because um so in your opinion like why do you think you know like major media outlets haven't given this much attention though one thing um a few weeks ago i was watching um the president of the philippines um, duterte's speech on the un the general ad his general address uh -huh. and um there was a specific part especially at the start where he you know mentioned the the situation of filipino migrant workers and kind of like gave accountability to the United Nations as an organization to um, assert to countries that they need to watch out and watch over f for Filipino migrants who are working in their nations. So your question is, uh, why do I think yeah, like, that what's your major media outlets aren't covering uh, the high death toll of Filipino care workers or like ignoring the fact that 
Filipinos, our care workers all together, despite the fact that on a global stage, uh, the president of the country of, of the diaspora's origin is calling for uh, the United Nations to, to recognize the migrant workers and uh, how they're affected by this pandemic. Is that, am I understanding the question correctly? Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, like exactly. There, that That's what I want to ask because um, even after his address, no major outlet, you know, like tried to mention that segment of the speech, which was, I think, for me and for my family, this was, that was a very important part. Yet none of them mentioned that part as if like we're being forgotten in the larger culture and even in you know in advocacies that are being done locally in their country, you rarely ever hear you know right fighting for the rights of Filipinos overseas or you know being exposed to not only consenting to these you know cheap labor. <laughs> Okay, so let me start with just the general coverage of, um, of Filipinos during this pandemic, which has been largely invisible, right? Yeah. Um, I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> it serves quote unquote developed nations, the richer nations to not focus on Filipino migrant workers just because it would it would draw people's focus on the exploitative nature of using Philippine Philippine labor as or exploiting Philippine labor as as cheap labor like number one that like that would they would have to kind of face that if they were to write about it. Um, and then in Like it would go of, against the, the larger cultural narrative that they have already set regarding, yes. you know, like us Filipinos out there. Yes. Because um, like it, it doesn't like, just it doesn't make them look good. Yeah. Because uh, it's not, it's not like, it's not like they've taken on Filipinos as a labor force altruistically they like it's <laughs> it's it's cheap disposable labor for for the quote unquote richer nations yeah um in terms of the un um i think that the rest of the world has uh, has bought into this narrative of Duterte as a villain, which I don't disagree with. <laughs> like, he, <laughs> violations of human rights are violations of human rights. Yes, but it's not a it, it's not easy to talk about when a villain does like one thing right, right? Because like to the to the world's eye, he's a villain, but he happened to say one right thing. And as they say, <laughs> a broken clock can be right twice a day. Uh, and so this happened to be like one of his one of those moments, right? Yeah, so, it's one of the redeemable <laughs> moments, I think. Yeah. So, but it, but it's it's not a simple story. It's like they yeah. they would have like they would have to acknowledge that this villain can also be right once in a while, right? And so that's that's a hard. In terms of selling the story, it's a it's a hard story to sell. So I think that I, mean, I think that in, in that media, way, right? Like you, a writer, me, a writer, and them. We see often like these villains, you know, um, having very complex um, character developments. Like you know, at first we perceive them as bad, and then suddenly we are able to sympathize with them because some things they think about are is right yet in real life when we find people as complex as those villains that were you know sympathized with it's much harder to accept and i think that there's a reason that it's 
it's harder to accept because like news has been commodified right yeah so like the people who are writing these stories and like highlighting and featuring these stories, they have to think about what will make money. And it's not like, I think that to to have a story that's complicated, like human rights violator and general villain dictator says one thing right, that's kind of a hard, <laughs> it's a hard headline. Hard headline. <laughs> commodify right (laughs) and so I mean like to sound like a broken record I think it all it all ties back to imperialism and and consumerism and capitalism like I think I think those big things I think that I think that the evil of imperialism kind of dictates how how people and how um, how commodified stories move throughout the globe. So I mean, like on every level, we as the Philippine diaspora who are trying to live are coming up against like these these obstacles of imperialism at every at every level. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's my opinion. I mean that 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 makes a lot of sense when you frame it in that manner. Like it does, it really does. So, um, one final thing I want to um, ask you is, I mean we've been gutting this topic ever since earlier, but I mean you already do agree, if I'm not mistaken, that you know the culture of Filipinos at home have something against Filipino migrant um, workers or people in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's this cultural preset when it comes to people like us. So um, do you have any, you know, like advice or opinion on like how we can alleviate that as a nation like make people in their you know in our own country recognize i mean the reason why i ask you this question is because i am still deeply connected to a lot of the things in in our country for some reason or whatsoever maybe it's because my friends are there most like other half of my family are there but I still somehow have that, you know, unsevered connection. And I mean, asking that question to you, you know, as a Filipino who has grown up there, what what do you think we can do? To build community across uh, the diaspora and at home? Yeah, like to build this connection that's actually genuine and not built on stereotypes that harms both of like both parties at the same time well that's hard (laughs) yeah it is it's a difficult question why did i frame it that way (laughs) well no 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 i mean it's to understand but it's it's hard it's hard to answer because like i don't think that there is a simple answer i think it has to start though with um each party respecting the context of the other right so like um me personally in the the diaspora i have to i have to respect the context of like my cousins living in the philippines like acknowledge that their choices are shaped by very different things they're their decisions and their choices, because a decision and a choice can be different depending on context, because like choice is always freely given, decisions are, are, um, like thrust upon you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so me as someone who lives in Los Angeles, um, I, I have to, I have to 
understand that things are different in different for my cousins in Pangasinan or in Metro Manila than they are for me. And so I have to, uh, I have to respect the decisions and choices that my cousin, my cousins uh, make um, and not assume that things are simple as simple and as clear cut for them as they are for me um, and vice versa has to be has to be the same too because uh, I think that I think that people at home have to understand that even though the world is sold on or the the world is sold on this emperor's new clothes vision of the the United States <laughs> <laughs> being you couldn't have said it better. Um, like me as someone who was born at a particular time in uh, Los Angeles, California, I can never like I would I would never be able to like own my own home which is like the number one thing that like they tell <laughs> they tell people all over the world you can go to the united states get a job own your own home have have a family and like the family's gonna be okay um as someone who was born in uh at a particular point in the 1980s who uh who wasn't particularly good at chemistry even though my mom is like a <laughs> like that's her degree in chemistry oh my uh, god <laughs> so so i was never going to be a doctor or a nurse right because <laughs> i'm like terrible like terrible at chemistry uh i'm never like i'm never gonna be able to like own my own home uh i'm never gonna be able to pay down my my educational loans because that's that's another that's another lie that they it's they another to layer of just a you can, cacophony you can, of problems get your get your education and then it's going to be easy to pay it back no 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 no. i'm going to have those loans until i die <laughs> <laughs> so and that's part of why i will never be able to own a home right so yeah. like meanwhile i also like my family has relatives that they're they're paying remittances to so like there's also that level of support that's happening like so I think that I think that um, in terms of building that community and that connection, uh, there has to be a respect of context, mm -hmm. <laughs> like local context, yeah. and, like and international context. context. Yeah. Uh, so that so that um, we don't have this like animosity that's that's perpetuated through the generations. Um, yeah. And also, like, I think that Philippine cinema and pop culture also have to like stop telling that tired story. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's it's basically it's like, like the same like template the again and again. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. Um, no, it's yeah, okay. like, <laughs> but right, it's like every five films, there's like that, there's same that character plot played by. Mm. Eigenman because <laughs> she's like like she she looks pretty right yeah. she's and, white passing at least yeah <laughs> and, and so yeah like we need to we need to retire that storyline and tell more complex stories yeah. even though they be harder to sell right just so that we can understand we we can at least understand where each other is coming from because without that i'm not sure that there can be a uh, a connection to like be built or like whether like it just makes the that connection harder to repair mm -hmm. i think the reason why i put so much i put such a lot of focus in this you know, I keep gutting this topic again and again. It's because um, I'm in the in-between of that thing. I I grew up at home. And then, you know, later, the 
the earlier half of my life, I keep moving places again and again, and it just, um, and I really want to make sense of that, like, you know, making sense of the culture that I'm um, absorbing from the places I go, and from the place that I'm from, at the same time, like, keeping that balance, so I was like, if if the larger culture can't find a genuine connection between those two contexts, like you said, then how will that reflect to individuals like me? It's like, um, here among my peers who are not, you know, Filipinos, I've, there's a sense of being left out. And then when you go home, it's the same thing it's because the contexts of each other's culture is so different. And I've had so many friends who've went home, and and they re- and they had like, you know, even though they grew up there and then they spent a few years here, there was still a big culture shock because when you grow up, apparently when you grow up overseas, you have like a more wider perspective of what's out there and what can be and what cannot be, while you know people in our place are just like ironically or absurdly have some some sort of close-mindedness that I can't even comprehend for myself. It's because maybe, just like you said, that there isn't really a genuine or intimate connection between these two contexts that you're talking about. Well, I mean, like, there's 500 years of history that is built on dividing dividing those two contexts, right? Yeah. Um, for different for different parts of like uh, the exploitation of labor to work toward like um, this this capitalist machine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a a large global system of oppression that is just invested in perpetuating that that disconnect um and i don't think that there's an easy answer as to like how to fix that but i think that the answer is that we must keep trying to repair that connection Mm -hmm. i agree very much so before we close this whole thing out, I'd like to ask you, like, what do you hope for, you know, the future of Kandungan and for this pandemic? What are your hopes and self-limiting expectations, I guess? <laughs> well, I think I'm going to start small. Um, yeah. At the end of this pandemic, I would like my immediate family to all be alive, <laughs> myself included, of course. Um, it's like, I would like, I would like, a, I would like for me, my family and friends to get to the other side of the, this pandemic alive. Um, and yeah, and for, and for that to be true of like all of the people that my life touches and all of the people that those people's lives touch. So, I mean, I guess that's not a, that's not a small (laughs) small (laughs) or small uh, wish, but um, it started small and hopefully it'll, it'll spread. Um, I would also like, for Donald Trump not to be <laughs> the person who who has like federal control over <laughs> a lot of the things that affect me that that would also be <laughs> be a be a nice thing uh I do not wish anybody dead I, I would like to like reiterate that I don't wish for anyone mm-hmm. to die 
but I would really, really love it if he had absolutely no control over my life whatsoever or the lives of anybody else <laughs> by the end of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And I hope that wish comes true, I guess. And um... also, I wish for Duterte not to have <laughs> control over <laughs> a lot of stuff. I mean, it's gonna end soon. It's gonna, like, soon enough, it's, I mean, uh, soon enough, it's going to, like, you know, phase out smoothly, hopefully. Okay. I hope so. I really hope so. I'm really hoping for that thing to happen. The fact that, the the fact that we're, like, talking about these two fascists, (laughs) like, like, it's, like, a far-fetched dream that they're gonna, like, leave even though they're supposed it's bound to, to happen anyways like <laughs> i prefer not to rush things i'm i'm, I'm still 19 years old <laughs> i have a lot i have a lot to live for <laughs> yes so um yes. uh <laughs> the universe, universe will manifest will be a universe at the end of <laughs> okay so yeah so yes. the, that that's my wish <laughs> that like fascism is mitigated and like the people i care about are alive um so before we leave this out um socials for Kalungan and the site as well um but yeah so in terms of the organization it's at af3irm on all um social media platforms uh, and on Twitter for Kanlungan, it's uh, at Kanlungan2. Uh, and then the website is kanlungan.net. And yeah, those are, those are our socials. I used to have a public social, but I don't anymore because I say, I say wild, <laughs> truthful things. They really hit to the bone. <laughs> I know. I really. And, and, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've been canceled for my opinion. Right, right. Like, I thought that people wanted yeah. wanted us to tell the truth and wanted us to, like, uh, <laughs> say facts, but <laughs> apparently we are living Everything's in a time where... Yeah, everything is questionable. Wow. Um, thank you so much, Cherise, for being here with us today. Thank yeah. you for having me, and thank you for yes. highlighting our project. Um, yeah, um... There's that. Hey, I'm glad that you reached the end of the podcast. This is a nonprofit project. If you want to support us, go to unfiltered.substack.com. That's U-N-F-I-L-T-R-D dot substack.com and sign up to our tri-weekly newsletter. Thank you very much for listening, and see you soon.